Harlan had already died once this season, and it was not something he wanted to do again, not any time soon. And yet here he was, well past midnight, sneaking into the heart of enemy Fearnoy territory. Sugar, River, and five of Shim's soldiers were with him, all of them crouching in the moon shadow cast by a tree next to a pile of stones someone had hauled out of the adjacent field. All of them but River wore weaves of might, increasing their strength and speed, which was one of the reasons why all of them had sizable Fearnoy bounties on their heads. And not only in Fearnoy lands. Five of the nine Macadian clans had sided with the Fearnoy against Shim and the Shoka. Talon and a number of the others held bows, arrows ready. They had risked coming to the village of Plum to retrieve a cache of weaves and other unknown items of lore from the ruins of Sugar's house. Her mother, upon her deathbed a little over three months ago, bid Sugar to retrieve them. Sugar had wanted to go immediately, but Uncle Argoth prevented that, telling her she needed to wait until the right opportunity arose. It appeared tonight was that opportunity. For all over the New Lands, Macadians and Coromites had been distracted with the Apple Dance, one of the biggest festivals of the year. So while Talon and the others were sneaking through the woods, most everyone else was dancing and feasting and becoming groggy with large quantities of hard cider. And thus far, the strategy had worked. But it was one thing to sneak through the darkness of the woods, and quite another to enter a village washed with moonlight. Talon preferred his dark spot under the tree. It was much better than the moonlit fields that spread about the village. Out there, anyone with an eye in his head could spot them coming from a hundred yards away. And it was better than the moonlit road running in front of them that led to the village where those that had shot Sugar's mother with arrows and murdered her father all lay, he hoped, dreaming in their abominable beds. Except this wasn't right. Talon and the others were supposed to have come out across from the ash ruins of Sugar's old house, the one these fine folk had burned to the ground. I think you brought us to the wrong end, Talon whispered to Sugar. No, I'm just coming to get something important first. Sugar pointed up the road to the entrance of the village. Talon followed her finger. The fear noy here had begun to build a wall around their village, presumably to keep Sleth like him out. It was a wooden palisade atop a mound of dirt. But she wasn't pointing at the half-finished wall with its timber supports still showing like bones. She was pointing at a tall pole that had been erected at the gate of the village. Something had been fastened to the top of that pole. Talon peered closer and saw a human skull shining pale in the moonlight. It took him a moment, and then he knew whose it was. That's your father's. You're going to help me, she said. He deserves better than that. Talon nodded. He deserved much better than that. The night shadows of the clouds played over the fields and the road that ran its crooked way through the village. Talon started to rise, bow in hand, but Sugar suddenly put a hand on his shoulder to keep him down. A small longing ran through him at her touch, and it surprised him. She motioned to the right. He turned. Something moved in the shadows a bit farther down the half-finished wall. A patrol? The wall wasn't finished, but it was still large enough in many places to hide a number of men. Two of Shim's soldiers prepared to draw their bows. A minute passed, and then a solitary dog showed itself on this side of the wall, snuffling the ground. The dog wasn't on a leash, but that didn't mean its owner wasn't following behind. A slight breeze blew in Tarlan's face, and that was a good thing, because it meant he was downwind of that dog. 
But Tarnan wasn't thinking so much of the dog as the spot on his shoulder where Sugar's hand rested. That small longing had grown. The last few weeks he'd started to feel odd things, vague sensing of another's fire and soul. But those stirrings had never felt like this. He pulled away from her, the electric feeling of her touch lingering, and felt a hunger jangle along his bones. River had warned him that the awakening to the law was as big a change as that of going from boy to man. The ways of the law were odd, and sometimes the body reacted in strange ways, but nobody had ever said anything about this. Maybe this had nothing to do with the law. Maybe this was simple attraction. Sugar wasn't one of those voluptuous, soft ladies, but lately he caught himself staring at her, her dark, shining hair and honeyed skin, her eyes. A spark often lit those green eyes, and Talon knew there were all manner of thoughts running like wild horses behind them. She had nice lips as well. The man next to Talon froze, and Talon realized he'd lost his focus. He shook his head and cursed himself. Now was not the time to lose his concentration to some idiot fire-induced Twitter patient. He looked at the scene in front of him and realized everyone was still watching the dog. It had raised its head as if it sensed the fist of soldiers under the tree. It sniffed the wind for a moment, turned their way and sniffed more, then dropped its head and padded off down the length of the wall away from Talon and the others. When the dog was out of sight, River blew out a sigh of relief. Dogs are the last thing we need, Talon whispered. You'd think if they're worried enough to build a wall, they'd be worried enough to have a guard to go with it. You'd think they'd have a night patrol. You're assuming thinking and fear noy are two words that go together, whispered Sugar. She rose. Come on, we don't have time to waste. She ran onto the dirt road and up to the half-built gate where the tall pole with her father's skull stood. Talon glanced about, saw the area was clear, and followed her out, running over the hard-packed dirt in his bare feet. He ran with the quickened pace that a weave of might imparted, bow in hand. River and three of the soldiers followed Talon and Sugar, taking up flanking positions to keep watch. In this fist of soldiers, River was the only one who could multiply her might fully. She had mastered that law years ago. The rest of them wore the weaves of candidate dreadmen, those that were in training. A candidate weave increased the wearer's abilities maybe by a fourth or half, preparing them for the large multiplication that came when you wore the weave of a full dreadman. But candidate or full, no weave made a man invulnerable, as Talon could testify. He had plenty of bruises and cuts from training. There was a stitched gash on his arm from a practice with spears, and the pointer finger on his left hand was still wrapped tightly to its neighbor to give it support after it was broken a few weeks ago. He followed Sugar to the half-finished village gate and the pole that stood next to it. Sugar looked up at her father's skull. Dirty whore sons, she spat.